Good morning and welcome to our Bible readings and our sermon from St James's this morning. Our first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verses 16 to 34. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God! And they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for lights, and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptised. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced, because they all believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verses 20 to 26. This is Jesus uh, as he is praying. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me, because you loved me before even the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. This is the word of the Lord. 
makes into God. So, uh, as we come to look at this, let's pray and ask for God's help. Father God, thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us into your truth. Would you fill us again with yourself and help us to hear your voice as you speak to us today. Amen. So, uh, as we look at these readings, I wanted to ask you, um, what, what are the benefits, do you think, of being Christian? If someone asks you why you're Christian, someone asks you um, the purpose uh, of believing, the, the good side, the upside of being a Christian, what is it that comes to mind? Is it forgiveness? Uh, is it peace? Is it the, <coughs> excuse me, the comfort that comes with having someone to speak to, to share everything that's on your heart with in prayer? Uh, is it uh, is it being part of a church family? Is it the the moral structure, the fact that we have a sense of what is right and what is wrong and, and where the line falls and, and that that can guide us in how we live our life? Is it about um, that sense that whatever happens, that God is with us, uh, that um, whatever happens to this world, uh, our eternal fate is safe? And we can trust that we will always belong to God. As I think about it, I think I would answer that question differently, depending on how old I was when I was asked, um, and probably depending on what was going on in my life at the time. But I was really struck. You have this lovely passage in John where Jesus is praying for us. So he's praying for his disciples, but actually he's aware that the disciples will go and share the message with other people and they will believe and they will share the message to others who will then believe. And Jesus prays for all who will believe. And he prays that they will be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one, as Jesus, as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. Uh, and that he prays that all those who believe would be in God so that the world would believe that Jesus was sent from God. Just this lovely image of, of the, the intimacy of, of father and son, um, and of us being invited into that, that we get to be so close to God that God is in us. We are in God the way that God the Son is in God the Father, God the Father is in God the Son. It's just, it's joyous, isn't it? And so... With that in mind, we look at our Acts reading and you've got Paul and Silas. And do you remember last week we were looking at listening to God's voice and the fact that an obedience to God. And the fact that uh, Paul has just had this dream where a Macedonian man has said, please come and help us. And, and Paul has discerned that as being God's voice. And so Paul obediently has gone where God has told them to go. And they've met Lydia and her Lydia, her household have all come to faith. They've been baptised. Uh, a, a group, a church starts meeting Lydia's house. Fantastic. God is with them. God is in them. Praise God. And then it goes a bit pear-shaped. Because 
Um, they're in Philippi, and while they're there, there's this this slave girl who has a spirit that allows her to see the future, and so she's she's a slave girl. She's not making any money for herself. Um, she's making money for her owners by telling fortunes to people. But um, this spirit says to her who Paul and Silas are, and so. She follows them around. All the, all this spirit can think of is is Paul and Silas, and the fact that they follow the Most High God. They follow Jesus, uh, and so she just follows them around, shouting, "These men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved." Now that's that's irritating, but you know it's it's a sign that God's at work. They're in the right place. Uh, but then you have verse eighteen, where Paul just gets so fed up of being followed and shouted at. He turns around and commands the spirit to leave. And it does. A miracle. Fantastic. They've obeyed God. They've gone to the right place. They've seen God at work. Isn't this fantastic? Except they've now upset the people who own the slave girl. They've now hurt people economically. They've cost these men money. And as a result, they are dragged before the authorities. And actually... Trouble is stirred up and a, a mob is raised of people baying for Paul and Silas' blood. And so, without any kind of trial, the officials order them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. It just says, verse 23, they were severely beaten, then they were thrown into prison. I just, that's, well, it's horrific, isn't it? I, I, I don't. Yeah, I've, I had an older brother, so I used to get hit, but I never got beaten with sticks. Um, certainly not um, in the way that, that Paul and Silas have. And they're thrown into prison, their feet are clamped into stocks, their freedom is completely taken away, and they have no idea of what's going to happen next, how the authorities will actually judge their case, and, and what's going to happen now. And it occurs to me that if that were to happen to me, uh, I would be complaining quite hard. Uh, my prayers would be um, possibly echoing the psalmist, saying, Why, oh God, have you forsaken me? Uh, my enemies all around me, they beat me with sticks. That That's what I'd be saying to God. This is like... I did what you told me to do. I went where you told me to go. And and now I'm in prison and I am in pain. God, how did you let this happen? How is this okay? Now, clearly it isn't okay. But that's life. People whose livelihoods are threatened lash out uh, and they look to get rid of those who are a threat to them, a threat to their livelihoods. I mean, what these people do to Paul and Silas is awful, but it's understandable. It's, it's not a good thing, it is evil, uh, but it's, it's self-preservation, it's protecting themselves. And it I think as Christians, we're aware that the church is persecuted in other parts of the world, but 
that's all quite remote, that's all quite distant. For us, it's a case of, well, we serve God and our God is good, our God is loving, our God blesses us. And our God is good and loving and blesses us. That is, I'm not questioning that for a second. But it gives us issues, it gives us uh, theological struggles when we do hit pain, when we do hit suffering, when we do hit grief. And we ask the question, God, why? Why is it like this? I've done what you asked me to do and it hurts. What, what's going on with this? Whether that's about pain in our bodies, whether that's about the grief of losing someone close to us, whether that's um, oh, the, just the stress that comes with rising bills and uh, shrinking finances. Let's go back to the John reading. Jesus prays that the disciples would be one. He prays the disciples would be in God. That he and the Father and the Spirit would be in the disciples. That there would be that intimacy between God and his friends. He doesn't pray that they'd be kept safe. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. He prays, I want them to see all the glory you gave me because you loved me before, even before the world began. Jesus doesn't pray that the disciples would be kept safe. He doesn't pray they'd be protected. He doesn't pray that they'd be blessed. He prays that they'd be united. And that they would know God in them, that they, they would know themselves to be in God. And that in that, they would see God's glory. And actually, when we see Paul and Silas beaten with rods, thrown into prison unfairly in the stocks, what are they doing? They sing hymns. <laughs> They praise God because God is good, because God is worthy of praise. God is the creator of all things. God is the one who has um, saved them from sin and guilt and shame and hell. And so even beaten and in pain and imprisoned, they sing hymns to God. Unsurprisingly, the other prisoners listen. It's like they used to be all being in prison, banging on the walls, shouting their innocent, calling for help, uh, shouting threats at the guards. These are people singing hymns. Well, th this is not how these things should go. But Paul and Silas are know themselves to be in God. They know God is in them. They know they've been obedient to God in doing what he's asked them to do. And so therefore they're not afraid. And they don't seem resentful of the way they've been mistreated. And in that context, God then brings freedom. God sends an earthquake. All the locks spring open, the doors spring open. The jailer is going to commit suicide because, well, they're going to kill him anyway when, he sees that, when they see that everyone's left. And Paul says, no, we're still here. You're OK. And the jailer comes and says, how? 
how what must I do to be saved? And so they share what they know of Jesus with the jailer and his whole household. And all of that family are baptised. And the jailer tends to Paul and Silas's wounds. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But I'm struck that all of this good stuff happens. All this, this family is saved. God's power is demonstrated. It all happens while Paul and Silas are nursing cracked ribs and bruises and aches and all the rest of it. It all happens while Paul and Silas are still not sure what the authorities will say on the next day. Not sure if the mob will rise up again. Uh, not sure if they'll have to you know, basically try and run for their lives. They, they don't know what's coming next. And yet they're able to say to the jailer, we'll think about ourselves later. For you, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and you and your whole family will be saved. Now, I'll be honest with you. Um, when things go badly for me, when I'm in pain, I have a toothache or a headache, I find it very hard to praise God. When there's a problem in my family, uh, when there's an issue with bills to pay, uh, that impacts on my prayer life. It becomes harder to worship. But God hasn't promised us that everything will be fine. He has promised us eternal life with him where there will be uh, no tears and no pain and no suffering and no death. But here and now, Jesus promises persecutions. Jesus promises trouble. Jesus promises a life that is not fair because we're in a, a fallen world filled with people who are going to make their own choices. And they'll make selfish choices. And there'll be consequences for them and consequences for us. So we're not promised a lack of trouble. We're given this prayer of Jesus that Jesus' followers would be one as father and son. One. Now, I said I don't like it when I'm in pain. I don't like it when things go badly for me. Um, but actually, it also goes for for church. Historically, I remember when I went to university, uh, and we all decided which church to go to, and everyone's going, "Oh well, if you like worship, go to that church. If you like sermons, go to that church." If you like both worship and sermons, then go to that church. Uh, and it was very much a kind of a, a pick and mix approach. It's like, well, you know, depending on what's best for you, what you prefer, these are the different things that you can do, the places that you can go to. And when you're a student, it's slightly different because you're coming to a different area, different place. But actually, there is there's part of our culture which says with everything, whether it's gym membership or whether it's uh, restaurants or whether it's churches, the question is, well, what works for you? Make, make a choice. What, what do you like? What's going to feed you? What's going to help you lead your Christian life? Um, now, I, I say this as a vicar who is committed to one church because that's the church that I lead. Uh, and this is, you know, in the past I have. 
gone from one church to another depending on what, what was going on. Um, I have to have a chat with you at some point if you'd like to about that. But sometimes that thing of saying, well, what's going to fit? What am I get, what's going to help me worship? We can take that too far. And we can say that actually church is about me being blessed. It's about me having peace. It's about me being fed so that I'm able to deal with the rest of the week and know God's blessings through the rest of the week. And actually we move towards trying to live a life where there is no pain, there's no difficulty, there's no struggle. Because what we want is God's joy and God's peace and God's love. Again, there's nothing wrong with God's joy, God's peace and God's love. But what comes first is our unity with each other and our unity with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. This is what Jesus told us to do. And so, you know, at St James, St James is unique in all the churches that I know, in the way in which we have tried to love one another and to be united in spite of our differences, in spite of our struggles, in spite of our different languages. We've made this effort to be united. And as we do come together, as we do unite around our shared faith, our shared focus on Jesus, actually God comes and he is in us as we are in him. There is, there is this, this joining of God with his people as we focus on him and as we unite together the way Jesus prayed that we should be united. We had our APCM uh, yesterday and um, there were questions asked about the way we do things, about what the plans are, and that's all right and proper. It really is. Um, it's absolutely appropriate to ask questions about uh, what are the PCC doing? What's happening next? What are the choices we're making? How are we making the decisions uh, that are being taken? What's coming next? Please do speak to people uh, from that you know who are on PCC, ask about what they've discussed. Ask about what's going on. Because we should be challenged, we should ask questions, we should work together on what God is calling us to do, on how God is calling us to be. But our focus is on that unity Jesus prayed for 2,000 years ago. Our focus is on coming together and knowing God in us and us in God. And the difficulty is sometimes that will mean, like Paul and Silas, we'll find ourselves in pain. We'll find ourselves suffering unjustly. And that's going to hurt. That's going to be awful. And I would say to you, your church family will be there for you. If you are suffering, don't suffer on your own. Let us pray with you. Let's listen to you. But come and do this with us. But there is no promise that the pain will all go away. Not, not this side of heaven. So if you are suffering, and it isn't fair. I am 
I am so sorry. But the promise of Jesus is that he is there with you in the midst of this. He will give you the strength you need in the midst of it. And he's given you a church family to stand with you. So that together we know ourselves as God's people. With God's God in us, God's spirit in us and with us and around us and through us. And actually in the midst of our suffering and our pain we find ourselves in God. And it's that, that dynamic of joining with those we wouldn't normally join with, of finding joy and hope in the midst of suffering, that causes the world around us to say, what is that? How can you know hope when, when this is going on in your life? How can you have peace when, when things are happening which are not fair? How can you say you know God? in the midst of all that we see around us. For me, as we come together, I collect stories of when God has been with us, when God's answered prayer, when God has spoken, when God's encouraged me, when God has blessed someone else through something I've tried to do. All these things lift me up and they help me to see that I am in God, that God is in me, that God is in us. So don't be discouraged, don't be downheartened, but also don't look at what you're struggling with and kind of go, oh, that means that God's not here. God is always here and he's given you uh, a church community part of to help you recognise that he's with you in the hardest times. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're always with us. Thank you that you've, you've not made false promises. You've not suggested that we will always be free from pain, free from struggle. You've not tried to tell us that this, this world is, is fair and just. So I ask that you help us to continue to focus on our unity with you, our unity with each other. So that through everything that gets thrown at us, we might be able to recognise you with us and get through it together. Lord Jesus, we ask your blessing upon each member of St James, on our families, and that that blessing would spread to those we meet in the week to come. We ask Lord Jesus in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, have a lovely week uh, and I will speak to you soon. God bless.